0: Uh, humbug.
1: He was the greediest man alive.
2: It's Ebenezer Scrooge.
1: Until the night, he met someone extraordinary. Hello. The Muppet Christmas Carol. I'll drink to Mr. Scrooge, even though he is odious, <laughs> stingy, mm-hmm. and badly dressed. <gasps> humbug. Oh, there goes Mr. Humbug.
0: There goes Mr. Grim. Do you think it's safe for us to be up here? <laughs> They gave a prize for being me. The winner would be him. Yes, Mr.
3: Cratchit. If you please, Mr. Scrooge. The bookkeeping staff would like to have an extra shovel full of coal for the fire.
0: Why are such are frozen. How would the bookkeepers like to be
3: suddenly unemployed?
0: oi! This is my island in the sun. It's Charles Dickens' classic tale. As only the Muppets can tell it. It's good to be eckling again. It's good to be doing anything again.
1: Filled with holiday warmth.
0: Hey, 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 Like the lamp, not the rat! Like the lamp, not the rat! And Christmas spirit. <laughs> Jacob Molly. Oh, that's scary stuff. Should we be worried about the kids in the audience? That's no, alright. This is culture.
1: This is the movie to see. To share to cherish with someone you love
0: thank you for making me a part of this
1: Walt Disney Pictures presents from Jim Henson Productions The Muppet Christmas Carol
3: God bless us everyone whatever
2: hello everybody and welcome to is it yours Merry Christmas everyone Today we are here to look at a Christmas movie. I'm Paul Spataro, and I am joined by—I guess it's the third married couple that I'm having on the show. It's Matt and Christy Huntsworth. Welcome aboard, guys. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you. Thanks for coming on. its uh, it, like I said, now it seems feels like it's becoming a tradition to have married couples <laughs> on, uh, and this is one. This isn't one that you threw at me. This is one I specifically sought you two out. And Matt, you're kind of along for the ride as far as I know. The reason I, I asked for this is because my understanding is Chrissy's the uh, foremost Muppet fan that I am aware of. Is that would that be pretty much accurate?
3: Uh yes. I have an entire room decorated <laughs> completely with Muppets. And uh it's my happy place. <laughs> and
2: uh yeah. yeah, I I remember hearing from, from Matt that you when they Canceled the most recent series that you were oh, yes. uh, somewhat disturbed.
3: I was very disturbed. It was getting in its. It was starting to hit its stride, and and it just got interrupted. Most like most things that are happening with that
1: franchise and Disney. Yeah. and I'm no, I'm. I don't know how much it comes out on other shows. I do, but I'm a pretty big Muppet fan too. Not to my wife's extent, but one of the things Christy and I did while we dated that probably helped solidify us getting to the point of engage and and get married was we would specifically make sure we were home on Sunday nights to watch reruns of Muppets Tonight on the Disney Channel in my apartment because I had cable, and you had never seen the show before. No, to I didn't. M- much to my
2: astonishment.
3: I had never had the Disney Channel. So
2: so you you used Jim Henson's innocent little creatures yes. to lure <laughs> this poor girl into your apartment. More or less.
1: Yeah,
3: that that or less. and pro wrestling.
2: Yeah, <laughs> We were pretty
1: good in <laughs> pro wrestling combo. back in the day. Yeah, right. Oh
2: man. So where is where does your initial Muppet uh contact come from? It's obviously it predates this movie.
3: Oh, very much so. Um I've been a big fan ever since I was a kid. In fact every time a, a new Muppet movie came out, that was the point of my best friend and I, my mother would take us to the movies to go see it. I found the other day I was going through some things and I found the actual stubs from when I saw the Great Muppet Caper. Um, That was something that every time a new Muppet movie came out, it was exciting. I had Miss Piggy Sheets. (laughs)
2: Um,
3: When the uh, Muppets Take Manhattan came out, I got the Muppet Babies. Um, I've just always been a fan. And then I kind of like, I actually still have the Time magazine uh, that came out the year he passed away. Life Life
1: magazine. Or Life. Life. Yeah, it's in your Muppet room. I got
3: the Life magazine. Um, I was in college. That when that happened, but I, I bought it and it's it's so oh, it's just dog-eared from, I read it so many times and um, and then I kind of went away from it and it wasn't an obsession and then um, a few years ago they it, it just kind of resurged, I mean my love of it really resurged and then when they started making the movies and the TV shows and, and Disney bought them um i really started collecting and and getting into everything we've we've had some some really great opportunities we got to uh during villains weekend that i think that is the highlight pinnacle
1: probably yeah. one
3: of there's two there's two big pinnacles in my whole muppet fandom one was going to uh disney villains weekend and they had constantine
1: mm-hmm.
3: the and they had the re- they when had Matt, Matt Vogel, Vogel
1: was yeah, and it was really him, him. Yep. and
3: it was just me and Matt and Constantine in a room. They did it like one on one interactions, and that was like I am four feet away from an actual <laughs> Muppet. <laughs> oh. And then um, and then also Matt surprised me uh, not this last celebration but the celebration before. He got me tickets to a ticket to get uh, to meet Mike Quinn. And I was like, oh, well, I, who's this nine-num thing? Um, <laughs> but but then when I, he, uh, Matt, was it, like, have you not seen the credits? And I looked at, and even the credits for going back almost. To
1: almost, the Muppet movie.
3: Almost to the, yeah, you to can, the Muppet he movie. He is
1: in the Muppet movie. I don't know if he did anything with the Muppets. He probably did with Muppets Tonight. Yeah. Oh, wait, that was, but that was after the Muppet movie. Yeah. yeah.
3: Um, But he had, he had worked with Henson. Mm-hmm. And so here he is at a Star Wars convention, <laughs> and and Matt was like, uh, "Hey, you should probably take your DVD. Yep, get him to sign your DVD." And I talked to him about oh Muppets for like twenty minutes. It was he she, he was like so excited that he wasn't she, it wasn't Star Wars. <laughs> she
1: had to be the only person that asked about the Muppets, and she held up his line. He was like in one of those you've probably seen these conventions, Paul, where you get like the. You know the stars of the show they kind of have their own almost room like mm-hmm. ten, like curtained off he was like in a row of, of tables like six or seven tables but they were all people if you knew Star Wars you knew who these people were and everyone had like three or four people in the line but thanks to Christy holding up his line he had like ten times the amount of people waiting in line by the time she was done than anybody else so but we were, we I were think' having... a mutual I think you helped helped out mutually you both got to talk, you got to talk Muppets and he looked like the most popular that day
3: yeah and and it's so cool because i found out that someone i know from work also has him as a friend on his facebook not oh, really so i almost want to be like hey remember this picture and send it to him and is see it, what happens
1: is it who i think it is yeah yeah okay <laughs> i don't want to um, say because i know he listens He might not know how to reveal him. <laughs>
3: um uh, but it was so cool we just talked about like he he actually did pepe's left arm pepe is my favorite muppet oh, okay. of all time um, it's not a popular stance Because I right. am i am not I'm a fan of the classic But I'm a fan of the feel of the classic Not necessarily an individual character oh, um, I, I, But then but then when Muppets Tonight came out It was all about Pepe <laughs> And it's been all about Pepe since then
2: I'm trying to, to remember when Pepe was introduced
3: Muppets Tonight
2: uh, it, it, it was, was Seymour's Muppet, partner yeah, he was
1: one of the uh, elevator operators for Muppet Studios. Because, yeah, I know he wasn't around in the
2: early days. No. No,
3: no, no, no. Um, he wasn't around until definitely Muppets Tonight when Bill Beretta took, took that. Because he had so many characters in that show.
2: Is that around um, 1990 or so?
1: Yeah, because I, yeah. yeah, I was still working. Uh, yeah, I think it was actually not too far from this movie. Because I was still working at the movie theater. And I did see this movie when I worked in the movie theater. Because I used to bring the tapes in. I'd record them and then I'd watch them as I was working late at night. So it was definitely in the early '90s. See, I, yeah.
2: and I, I'm not. I, I get great enjoyment out of The Muppets when I watch them, but I don't. I don't have your level of fandom at all. <laughs> not many people do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's not even not or, even in the or, same or, building. Uh, or
3: <laughs> yeah. or or some people are even more bigger fans. I I can't touch them. Like some of the websites that I I um, follow, I'm like, mm, no, I'm not that. No. Not gonna get a tattoo. Not gonna. <laughs> not gonna do that. <laughs> but I, like I said, I have a room in in our house that is all my Muppet stuff. I'm very selective. I don't just buy it because it's Muppets. It has to be something that I really like. And and I, um, I walk in there and it is my happy place. Mm-hmm. It cool. is. I can walk in there and that is my zen. You know how they always say that you should have like a place where you can meditate and just kind of chill out. That is my chill-out
2: room. That's pretty much my house. Uh, it's, it's, it's not Muppets, but there's, there is geek culture things in every room in my home. And uh, honestly, at this point in my life, I wouldn't have it any other way. So I, yep. I, do, I do respect the Muppet room.
3: Yes. Well, I try to concentrate it. We do have geek culture all over our house, definitely. I mean, to the point where we have an R2-D2 egg timer, so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that is the concentration just like matt has his stuff
1: i don't even know what you would call this a star wars slash nightmare before christmas slash trailer park boys Boys room
2: i don't know and Mm. that's also that doubles as the studio yeah yep (laughs) well that's pretty cool so now i'm guessing uh, i think this is a pretty fair guess you saw this one in the movie theater and not you didn't wait for home video
3: I don't remember seeing it in the theater. Really? I may have. I, I No, no, I didn't. No, I didn't.
2: I'm um, very surprised mm-hmm. with knowing now your level of fandom. That
3: well, you did also, work. at that point, I was in college and I didn't have a car. So I, I went to school in the middle of nowhere. So if I couldn't get to the movie
2: theater. Okay, but I did enough. see it
3: as soon as it came out on the, on on,
2: hmm. on tape. And since I never actually said it, we are uh, reviewing, or discussing, is more like it, the Muppet Christmas Carol today. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, in, in, in conjunction with the season, because this is actually going to be released on the morning of Christmas Eve. So that works out perfectly. Oh, great. Okay. Uh, cool. I could tell you, I first saw this movie when it came out on home video, and from that point forward, it has become a Christmas staple. In my home, Mm. Uh, we've me and my children have you know watched it every. Well, it was before. It it predates my children, Uh, Mm. but but in my children's lives, this has been around every year, and they've seen it with us at least once a year, and it's uh, it has the same effect on them at this point as uh, the Rudolph cartoon does for me, or how the Grinch stole Christmas, the original. With Barla's Call-Off, not, right, uh, right. not the debacle with Jim Carrey. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, it, it, you know, it's the same thing. It's it's a Christmas staple every year. You know, at some point somebody says, "We well, didn't watch him up a Christmas carol yet. Then we have to sit down and watch it. This predates your children? Well, this was... I'm trying to remember what year this came This came out, 1992?
1: Yes. Yeah. My, son, oh,
2: my, my son was born in 1997.
1: As I say, I've met your children. Now I feel really old. I didn't think... This was that old That's of a true. movie. I have
2: met my children. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, he he was he's the older of the two and he was born in ninety seven. So he just turned wow, twenty. Okay. With this uh-huh. movie being nineteen ninety two, this movie is twenty five years old. So. Yes it is. Wow. Jeez. This
3: this movie can get car insurance.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes. It can rent cars.
3: It can rent cars.
1: Yes.
2: It it is somewhat just don't you know it's 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 bothersome when you think of how recent or how long ago 1992 was because oh, no it feels like it was recent but it just it wasn't unfortunately right yeah. it's one one of my my big uh, comments that I always give when when people talk about music as I say I'm I'm very into music I like music very much but anything that was made after 1990 I pretty much don't know
1: yeah right. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: So that and and that's becoming a bigger and bigger field of music. Oh gosh, you're right. <laughs> Although having a teenage daughter, I do I do know of some music past past. Then it's just, oh, not, so you, just yeah, not my you style. Might,
1: Yeah, you probably recognize more uh, pop tunes than I would at this point. With that, yeah, Christy used used to work at City Walk at Universal Studios, and
3: I knew everything the, that had just come out.
1: The stuff she would sing along to, it just like yeah.
3: Because it was whatever was on the dance floor. Make my
1: eyes roll and my ears in on themselves. A lot of Bieber.
2: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I don't know too much Bieber. My daughter isn't that. Lately, and this is really, we're going far afield here, but lately there's this uh, Korean group of young singers that she's latched onto. She's getting Hmm. all these CDs in the mail, and they they, they come, they, they don't look like CDs anymore. They look like books with just kind of a CD sleeve in them.
1: Yeah, yeah. I've seen what you're talking about. Maybe not this group, but that, that format.
2: So yeah, it's 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 all, all foreign to me at this point. But then I'm an old. Literally. Man. I'm, but I'm an old man, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> so back to this one. Were you guys together in 1992 when this came out?
1: No, no. we hadn't met till ninety nine, ninety eight, ninety nine. Ninety eight. Yeah. I was. I wasn't even in Florida. I was in Pennsylvania working at the movie theater. That me, Dave. And Chris and Tim always talk about it on every show we're on together, and now they're not even here, and I'm talking about it. So, <laughs> I, in fact, it's like the same exact story. I think Shag told you on it was either Bins or or it may have been no, it was I think it was your Twister episode. Same exact thing. Um, I raced. I was a projectionist. I r- I grabbed the cans. I raced upstairs. I slapped that movie together, and I watched it the, the second I put the last tail that those reels together. I could I could not. Watched this movie fast enough the night it was delivered to our theater.
2: Okay, so so you're the one of the three of us who actually saw it in the theater and right, yeah. Saw it in the theater what hundreds of times? <laughs> uh,
1: well, I saw it that night, which was probably like about three four in the morning for Friday morning. Then we watched it. Uh, the staff watched it Friday night together, and then I I I ducked in and out of it. I had to duck in and out of it fifty times at least to see one of the songs, which I know there's no avoiding. Us discussing, so I'll save that. And I watched it. I, I think I took my, my mother is the one who introduced me to the Muppets. I know I took her. We may have gone together as a family again with my, my, my parents and my sister. I, I must have seen it five or six times all together, but probably watched another four or five hours worth of it during its run in the theater by ducking it out of it.
2: So, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to make any, uh, any, any mystery on this one. Uh, I, I just think this is a great movie.
3: Oh, yeah.
2: And, and the reason for me that it, that it succeeds is, well, it's really three levels, but there's one, that I think I think I, one thing that I consider to be the biggest point. Uh, the first two are just I think the humor in it is terrific. The second is that I think the music is terrific. But the third thing that I really think makes this work, and again, I think it's the biggest point, is that throughout the course of this movie, Michael Caine never camps it up. Nope. He no. plays it totally serious. There's never a point where he's winking at the camera and saying, hey, that's a Muppet I'm talking to. He talks as if he's talking to regular human actors and puts his emotion into the part.
1: He does. Yeah, he, he, yeah. there's... You, you said it exactly right. He does not act like he's in a Muppet movie. He acts like he is a classic Scrooge. He is... He's almost George C. Scott level of well, actually he is. It's it's just, it's that serious. He mm-hmm. plays it off completely the way that character should be in this story, regardless of how it's told. I think, and it works with the with the Muppets. It just makes it work even more so. I think.
2: Yeah, I, I definitely think so. And Michael Caine, I you know I was tempted to put him. I, I've often talked about uh, actors who always give a good performance. And I started thinking that I would put Michael Caine on that list. Uh, the people who I've sp- talked to in the past about that, I've said Sean Connery has been in some bad movies, but I've never sk- seen him give a bad performance.
1: That right, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh,
2: Robert Duval's another one. I don't know if I could go that far with Michael Caine, because I, I, I'm not coming up with any off the top of my head, but I seem to remember there were a couple of times where he mailed it in. I think... Oh, th- he-
3: the fact that the man doesn't say no to any
2: role. Yeah. When, when, he's notorious know, for it. Picture him as Hoagie in Jaws 4, <laughs> which gives you the connection to this show. Right. Um, but this he's got this certain amount of charisma about him with his smile and with the way he, you know, his accent and the way he just delivers a line that even when he's not really giving you his A game, he's still likable always. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just something he's got going for him. I mean, he's playing. He probably is the most likable Ebenezer Scrooge that I've ever come across. Short of maybe Mr. Magoo. I've I've (laughs) noticed (laughs) that
3: when I was watching it, just uh, like with a little more critical eye, other than just like enjoying the heck out of it. Um. I did notice that he redeems a lot earlier.
1: Yeah, I noticed that this one, too. And I think for the same reason.
3: He redeems yeah. in the second ghost. He Instead sure does. Of, yeah. Most of them wait until they see their gravesite.
2: Yes, true.
3: And he definitely was... was um Like, you can... He gets so much more enjoyment out of the second ghost. Of the ghost of Christmas Present.
1: Mm-hmm. And they
3: have that kick-ass song. Yeah, that oh. song
1: is just... <laughs> um,
3: but you can just I mean the fact that he's dancing along with them that early I'm like his his turn is a lot sooner than other Scrooges
1: and he does a very rare thing um, for the Scrooge character there's a scene in the same scene where we see the ghost of Chris is present and he's it's normally throughout what we've met him he's one of the one of the full body Muppets and he's a, about a foot taller than Michael Caine because it's with the head and the exaggerated features. But there's a scene where, with being a ghost and a spirit, he's actually dancing with the mice puppets. And not yeah. the rats, not the Rizzo rats, but mice, even smaller. So when you kind of, when your brain sees what's going on, you smile. And right as you smile, the camera cuts to him smiling, and then he kind of stops himself for it. So he actually does something that is translating to the audience, which is part of that turn that Paul was talking about. And it's something I don't really recall. Uh, Another version of Scrooge doing actually reacting for the audience on the screen.
2: Yeah, that's that's a very good point. And just to, I I love the music in this movie. I I really just, it's. uh, I'm pretty sure most of it was written by Paul Williams.
1: It is Paul Williams. Yep. Yeah. Well, I I wasn't sure if
2: he did most of it or all of it. He did
1: the songs. Um, I forget who did. Someone did the score, which is actually surprising because Paul Williams is a talented uh, movie scorer as well, or a, whatever that word, composer as well. But, I mean, his, his certainly he's on he's a, a long, long history of oh, yeah. Muppets.
2: Now, is, he, just, he... just to clarify, though, is the song you guys are talking about, One More Sleep Till Christmas?
1: No, actually, Which
2: one are you talking about?
1: We are talking about um, It Feels Like Christmas, right? Oh, so like okay. yeah. Okay.
2: That's you know, <laughs> I enjoy this soundtrack so much that I, I was having trouble pinpointing which song you were talking about when you said the song.
1: Right. Yeah. I there's, know, yeah. <laughs> there's
2: so many that are catchy as they're singing them, uh, and I just I'm on the the I'm on Google right now, and I have Muppet Christmas Carol songs listed, and just, there's a, there's an overture at the beginning, then we have st- uh, the song Scrooge. Which is Which really is, good.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's catchy, too, yeah. Yeah.
2: And we have Room in Your Heart, Good King, Wenceslas," One More Sleep Till Christmas, very catchy. That's a good one, yes. Yeah. Marley and Marley, very catchy. Uh, then we. I mean, there's a couple that are, you know, they're fine, but they're not really, like, you want to sing along with them, like When Love is Gone. It's a fine song, but, you know, it's, it's nice. Uh, it Feels Like Christmas, like you said, is, is great. And then I'm just looking... Uh, thankful heart which really sounds like it feels like christmas it's um it kind of harkens it, back to it almost
1: yeah it's the uh what do you call the um it's almost like a a three-piece i always kind of pictured like as a three-piece uh ensemble piece i don't know not ensemble piece almost like a three-piece 3, piece three part. medley <laughs> 3 three-piece set yeah, three piece. Yeah, <laughs> the um, it uh, one more sleep till Christmas. It feels like Christmas and thankful heart always seemed like you could play those
3: right on top. Yeah, of the almost
2: server. like um, uh, like a meatloaf song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, I mean you could play them back to back to back, and if you edit it correctly, you can make it all sound like one song. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But they're all very very catchy, and they almost make you want to get up out of your seat and kind of dance along with them as they're doing it. Well,
1: no, almost for me when that I love I I. Been whistling and
2: He's
3: been
1: bopping around house. to feels like Christmas for three days now.
2: Okay, that's it. Yeah, well, once Thanksgiving comes, then the, the, the Christmas music starts. Yeah, right. Yep, yeah. and I, it is allowed. But I don't find that I hear these on the radio.
1: Nope. Nope. I, yeah, which is strange because I mean it's like you pointed out it's it's Paul Williams. It's not just a a. I don't know what how what difference that would make, but it's it has. It has a name behind it. You think someone somewhere in one of these radio stations would would catch the name Paul Williams, especially in an easy listening station, and throw it in there? But you're right. It's I, I don't Unless recall. Unless they're not allowed. Anymore. Yeah, there's I don't a, know
2: what the rights yes, because say, it yep.
3: is a Disney movie.
1: Right. Yep. But that's that's very
2: possible. If if I were a music programmer on one of these stations that's playing nonstop Christmas music right now, and there's plenty of them out there. You would think these would be enticing because they're not the standard God bless you, merry gentlemen, Santa Claus is coming to town, have yourself a merry little Christmas, that there's 40 versions of each of them and you're playing them over and over and over again effectively. This is something to kind of break up that, that group with a little bit.
1: There's not many songs written about Christmas that aren't standards that I think are very good. Most of these are very good and I honestly think that it feels like christmas is might be one of the best written christmas songs and performed mm-hmm. it's kind of got like a double double whammy for me it's paul williams is i like a lot of his songs which is really strange because you can't find anything opposite of my wheelhouse when it comes to music
3: especially the boy <laughs> in the plastic <laughs> yeah bubble. exactly
1: yeah boy in the plastic bubble um the uh old-fashioned love song his version and three dog nights version yeah. uh it, it, um Rainy Days and Mondays, which... But but anyway, um, where was I going with that? You threw me off when wow. you threw... You made me think of Boy in a Plastic Bubble and I almost started crying. <laughs> oh, his, his song... He wrote a fantastic song. Jerry Nelson's performance of this is outstanding as well because he just has a... For a animated character, not a cartoon character, but he's an animated character, it's not too silly, but it's also not too... It's, it's not a... Uh, and it kind of helps that the Muppet looks like him. Yeah, it does. Yeah, and it's but it's like it's a very jovial. Very, it's a very fun performance, and I uh-huh. think it, the way he performed a very well written song makes this one of my favorite original Christmas songs that I, I I've heard in, in any movie. I think.
2: And it, and it definitely just kind of blends right into the mu- to the movie too. It doesn't feel forced. Right. Yes. Yep. And it's then... not
3: one of those. A lot of these music, uh, the music in this movie it, it, sometimes when you watch a musical movie that it, you just kind of like stop sing
1: <laughs> yeah true
3: stop what you're doing and sing, sing. and this is not it, it's very organic and it's very fluid and it doesn't feel forced
2: yes and and I, th- I think you're exactly right the way you described that because there's a lot of older movies where they felt the need especially comedies I'm thinking about like you know, Abbott and Costello comedies or Marx Brothers comedies, so we're talking older, mm-hmm. but where, where they felt the need to put a, a little musical interlude in at some point. And it, it felt like exactly like that. Whatever momentum they built up, they had to stop to put this song in. And then when the song was over, they could go back to being silly and having fun. Yeah. In this particular movie, and look at that, we're bringing it back to the movie. Uh, <laughs> it It just kind of blends in and it feels natural when they're doing it so nothing stops the momentum you have is still going, right. and the story is still building with it, and in it, fact, it's expressing the story. It's giving you what what's going on, so it becomes integral to it. And I think that's that's you know it, it seems effortless the way they do it in this movie, but I don't think it is.
1: Oh no, I'm sure it's not, and uh, just the, the the hammer home a point you made. It, it and it's. I think worth repeating. It is part of the story. Each each one of these songs, uh, it's. It isn't just let's stop and sing like Christy said. It's exactly what you said, Paul. It's like it's. It's. Well, this this one we'll keep using this one as an example. It feels like Christmas. It is Christmas present, explaining to him why people love Christmas. It's. It's not just I'm singing because I'm happy about Christmas. It's like here's what I'm trying to show you here it is in a song, here it is in a well-done do- song, and then the story moves on without really having interrupted anything. Right, exactly. And not only didn't it
2: interrupt, it continued the flow. Yeah, exactly, right, yeah. yeah.
3: I think the only contemporary to the way this song blends is uh, South Park.
2: <laughs> <laughs> do you know, I've never seen I the South Park it. movies. <laughs> so I, can't even, I, can't even, I can't even respond other than to chuckle. Paul doesn't. Paul doesn't
1: have an explicit tag, so watch what we're gonna say next. No, oh, I, I thought you were gonna start. You no, start I was rat-
3: gonna say the songs in that movie blend in oh. with the plot. Oh, you just re- like- But I thought
1: you're gonna start rattling off titles. Oh, goodness, that's the problem. No. Okay, yeah, no, that's no, all right. No. I can always
2: bleep anything out. Don't, <laughs> that's true. Don't worry no, about right. my it's... non-explicit nature. <laughs> I stay family friendly, even when we do uh, <laughs> let the expletives fly. Yeah, we say the E and news as is for explicit. That's actually the first time I've ever said that. Well, you should use it as a <laughs> right, right yeah. now. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this to you, Christy. We, we've talked about Michael Caine, who is really the only significant human character in here. There are others, there's Fred, there's his wife, but nobody else is significant. Nah. Uh, and obviously, uh, well, not so obviously. I was gonna say obviously Kermit is the key human, uh, key Muppet character, but there's a few Muppet characters who have very significant roles here. So, I I just wanted to throw it to you and see where you think they all played out and who you think the MVP is and that kind of thing.
3: I think uh, the MVP of this movie is definitely Rizzo. (laughs) I think so. For the amount of food he consumes and the amount of abuse he takes through this whole movie. Um, I, I love the fact that and I and I kind of understand why they uh, maybe maybe if Jim Henson had been alive, it would have been reversed. That I mean, you see Gonzo more than Kermit in this movie.
2: This, and this yeah. was the first
3: movie after he passed. It was so
1: yeah, and it's
3: it's not a significantly. I mean, it's a it's a key role because Bob Cratchit is the the impetus for a lot of the right. plot points, but. But really, Gonzo is the master of ceremonies.
2: Yeah, well, yeah, he's a narrator. Um, yeah, but the he's, the he's a very active narrator, and yes, and and they they blend him in nicely where he's really there. There's uh, a you know it's I, it's not him telling the story and then fading to it. He's standing there and actually occasionally interacting with the story. Mm-hmm. I remember
1: seeing this. Gonzo is my favorite classic Muppet, and I remember seeing this the first time, and I had been anticipating. This, this first Muffet thing since Jim Henson passed. I was going to see... really curious here where it went next. His opening couple scenes, I was a little... I wouldn't say disappointed, but I was like, okay, I see they're making him Charles Dickens and making him the narrator. I guess I can live with that. But as time goes on, it ends up, and still to this day watching it, my favorite parts of the movie are when Gonzo is not Charles Dickens and clearly Gonzo, when he steps out of that role... On kind of Uh like the little asides, like getting Rizzo to jump off the the gate, things like that, those are my ends up end up being my favorite part. So it went from like, oh, you know, that's another use of Gonzo Gonzo," to those being my favorite parts all these years later.
3: I think for me, I've always maybe because he paired off with Pepe later because Rizzo and and Pepe are best friends and and I've just always liked Rizzo. Even, even I always think about them in uh, Muppets Take Manhattan and the the, the mice.
1: No, oh, the mice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what I've always to. loved yeah, the yeah.
3: mice in general. And then when they gave Rizzo a personality and made him stand out, I've always really liked. If, if I was to say I liked any classic Muppet other than Pepe.
1: Oh, that's, I call classic. that a modern one. That's why cuz yeah. Johnny Fiamma is my favorite modern.
3: Yeah, but I would say Rizzo is probably my favorite classic muppet.
1: Best part in the uh Muppets it, from Space? No, no, <laughs> the um what's the uh the the intro video for Muppets 3D. <gasps> oh yeah. Yeah, when it comes out as Mickey Mouse.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
1: Hello,
2: welcome to my park. <laughs>
1: No, we I, really can, I can easily it. see
2: pulling on the Gonzo side of things, but for whatever reason, Fozzie has still stayed my favorite classic. Fozzie's Muppet. good. That's a good one too. Yeah, yeah. He's he's always been. Uh... The only
3: classic Muppet I can say that I truly do not care for.
1: <laughs> I know what you're gonna say, he's "Is little is Robin." Yep, <laughs> she can't stand Robin. I can't
3: stand Robin. I haven't since I was a kid. <laughs> he has the same appeal as Piglet does to me. In From the, Winnie uh,
2: the Pooh. <laughs> well, yep. in, in in this, just if anybody's listening and doesn't know, Robin plays Tiny Tim. Yes. And does he annoy you in that role?
3: He annoys me in everything. <laughs> I just uh, I just always find him very whiny. He's
2: heartbreaking in that in this one. Though. You know what I, the most I heartbreaking thing it. in this movie to me was, as silly as it is, it was when. Uh, when when Scrooge slams the door on Bean Bunny,
1: oh yeah, oh, really? <laughs> and then they show
2: him outside shivering, <laughs> shivering and freezing. That was the most heartbreaking oh, thing. ever. that is
1: made. yeah, yeah. And, I forgot about that part. Yeah, it feels
2: almost silly that you know. I mean, it's a Muppet. You know, I'm not supposed yeah. to really feel. You know, you said, but I look at it and I'm like, oh, look at him.
1: It is that is kind of sad. Yeah. So, that's, I don't know if you had I'm, this.
2: I'm sorry. Oh, no.
1: I just didn't know. I didn't know if I'm. If I'm stepping on your notes, let me know. But I was just curious if what everyone was thought of the first post Jim Henson Muppet or uh, Kermit spotlight. You
3: well, know what was really weird? I I remember it being so glaring to me when I first saw it, but now we've had what? How many years after? It is strange. And now yeah. it's kind of like I heard it today, and I was like, oh, "Why was I so taken aback
1: by that?" Well, it is. It's it. It is surprising how different it it's the same but different enough that when uh-huh. you hear a, an old Jim Henson performance and that and then hear Steve Whitmire's what was what stood out to me the, I remember this the night I saw it the first song he did they must have recorded the songs before they did the dialogue and he mm-hmm. still didn't have Kermit quite tuned in because his singing voice is not only different than Jim Henson but different than Steve his, his, his own performance voice speaking voice and that I still notice and I wouldn't say bothers me but it's just like oh it's just it's there and there's nothing you can do about it
2: Well, from the, for the longest time because I, I you know I enjoy this I think I've made that very clear I enjoy yes. this yeah. very very much but I never really bothered to look into the history of it to speak of and I remember you know I was, I was saddened when Jim Henson passed away and when they made this movie, and I remember hearing, you know, yeah, they got Brian Henson and he's going to kind of take over for his father. And, I, and, you know, I was a little skeptical at that point that, you know, it's going to have lost some of its magic. When I saw the movie, again, not being totally integrated into the, uh, you know, into the characters, to me, it had that feel. It had the, you know, it had the, the true emotion kind of going on it. The story was entertaining. Everything about it, to me, clicked. And it was it was a long time before I realized Brian Henson isn't doing Kermit. Oh, really?
3: <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Because I just you know I I didn't really I never really looked into it at all, so I just you know I just heard it and I said okay he's you know it sounds all right it sounds kind of like him to me so that's fine and then I was just you know I just immersed myself into the story at that
1: point. Right, right. Well, uh, Brian Henson, we you talking about it clicking? He was. He's lucky and smart enough to have listened to these people. He was very lucky to have everyone that built the Muppets with Jim Henson around him in this. And I mean everybody from Frank Oz, Jerry Goals, um, uh, Dave Goals, Jerry Nelson is still alive then. Uh, I think Jerry Joel even had something to do with it when it came to story. So he was not only lucky enough to have just about everyone you could want to have save Jim Henson – but also smart enough to listen to what they had to say as he was making this movie.
2: Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean his his in his input into it. I guess he probably had some creative control over the story and how it was sure, presented. Yeah. You know, yep. with his he, father's uh, legacy, but yeah. he was the director of the movie. Absolutely. He, he yeah. Wasn't I mean, of, he wasn't any of the on-camera talent.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, he did have parts, but uh, it, it wasn't any of the one the characters that we that you could pinpoint. Because he's a, he's, a, he's a performer as well, a Muppeteer as well, but it's it's all, I think, almost all background characters in this movie. It's not until Muppets Tonight where he starts taking on lead, lead characters, yeah. Dr. Van Neuter, mm-hmm. a couple other ones, yeah.
2: This is released in an era that's just incomprehensible to me now because of the budget on this movie.
3: Oh,
1: God, yes.
2: And this movie cost $12 million to make.
1: What? Wow. According to Wikipedia. Okay, but still, I mean, I, that really doesn't surprise me. Actually, At the um, yeah, nowadays they would you have, have
3: to modify the entire set. Yeah,
1: they say when, when the one one of no, I think I think that's cheap. I think twelve million is cheap, but still, yeah, I do too. The um, yeah, they wouldn't even have bothered doing the uh, trying to make uh, the Ghost of uh, Christmas Past even remotely practical. It'd be all CGI. Yeah. You you've read how that's done, right, Paul or? No,
2: no, I oh, haven't. So they if you filmed, if you can uh, in, give me insight, I'd love Sure. It.
1: This is the uh the the young girl one, the, the first ghost. They actually filmed all of her scenes in a water tank against a green screen and then used the green screen matting out to superimpose it onto the on the uh final film. Hmm. So that floating effect is because everything that's happening is underwater. Oh,
2: that's that's fascinating. I didn't know that at all.
1: Yep. And then that's if very you, cool. you it,
2: when, once you know that and you see
1: like a behind the scenes vignette on it, you'll notice that she doesn't have a lot of sharp movements and when she's about to turn, the camera always cuts because when they had done that, the actor would create bubbles, which was hard like, did not convincingly get cropped out in the green screen, so it's one of those little things that it's like, you don't notice until it's pointed out to you and then you can't help but notice, but in this case, it's a, it's a fun fact more than a distracting fact.
2: Yes. Uh, I, I mean, I would just think as a mu- any Muppet movie I think it's almost almost heresy to talk about c g i yeah, it is it really is we We had
1: talked about Muppet's take Manhattan on one of our other shows quite a few years ago and and Christy brought it up the rat scene the rat scene where they're making they were in a diner making breakfast It's like yeah. everything that you're seeing on there is exactly what the camera saw it's it boggles my mind how they did and still do in this movie that we're talking about this kind of stuff. In front of the camera.
3: Well, it, Kermit walking with Robin on his shoulders. Yeah. Singing right, that yeah. Song.
1: yeah. Well, that's another. There's another. I, I know that one, too. That's from the vignette. I don't know if you want that ruined or not.
2: Go ahead. Ruin it away. Uh, he, ruin away.
1: They're actually walking on a very large cylinder that keeps rotating. And uh-huh. the, the two sides of the street are just these very long things that they're constantly moving huh. along with the rolling street. So they're just they're in place the whole time. Walking on a log, basically on a car, on a snowy log, with the with the houses being pulled away from them. Huh, that's kind Scatting, yeah, yeah, it's scatting. Yep, yeah. <laughs>
2: that's uh, that doesn't to me that doesn't ruin it at all. That that right, just, okay. yeah. to me that it, that adds to the magic.
1: It does, it, it does, way. yeah,
2: yep. It, it's
1: it that kind of stuff is fun. Yeah, especially when you realize it was done as a practical effect and how much yeah. work it took to put all that together.
2: In a movie like this, and again, like I said, it's. To think of CGI as almost like a cheat yeah. to me. Yep. This is done on a small budget, and I would imagine we could probably quadruple that budget now if we were making this today. <laughs>
1: yeah. but, it's,
2: but it would still be a relatively small budget by today's movie standards. And I think it's done on the basis of the creativity and the genius of the people who are putting it together more so than on computer tricks. Right, and I don't mean to denigrate computer tricks because I see plenty of movies with CGI that I think <laughs> are are wonderful, but the Muppets don't not only don't need that, but it would take it away take away from them, as far as I'm concerned.
1: Oh yeah,
2: yeah. it's I mean, just think uh, to, to take it to the Swick perspective. I to me, I like Yoda as a Muppet a lot more than Yoda as a CGI guy. Yes, and I I think it's it's. I think it's uh, palpable. I th- I don't think it's just the script that made him better in the early ones. I think he was more tactile and more just r- real feeling. Yeah, so, I agree. So I think that uh, you know, if you'd started to do that with the Muppets, it would lose something as well. I can't even imagine
1: uh, an entire CGI Muppet thing. Even playing video games when there were Muppet video games, just something. It was fun to hear their voices, but we weren't really yeah. watching what was going on. We are just getting through the story. Well, and, in your, and in your we... Muppet
2: fandom, have you had much interest in like the cartoons that they've come out with?
3: Mm, no. I mean, I watched Muppet Babies when it first came out. Right. And I, I did enjoy that. Um, but some of the other stuff I really... No. Um, we did, however, get the Muppet Monster Race... Game for PlayStation, yeah. and I obsessively—I <laughs> didn't play it because I have no hand-eye coordination. But I made Matt play it all the time, so I can, <laughs> I'm like, oh, turn, turn. Well, Pepe
1: was featured in that as well, yeah. so she wanted to see any any time she can hear or see Pepe in any, Pepe in any form.
3: And every time you would go by, him, you go, hola, yeah. hola.
2: <laughs> now I, you know, now I'm It's just really a kind of a dumb, uh, dumb. Place to be going with this, but uh, I'm thinking of Seinfeld in character. Uh huh. And when George, when they were trying out for the pilot, and George claimed that he wrote, uh, a an off-Broadway play, yes. La Cucina. Yeah. yeah. Is it, who's the main character in it? Pepe, the chef. Oh. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm just wondering if there's some connection there somehow. Could be because they did
1: actually try to do a cooking show on, that was. The premise of Muppets Tonight was that it was a functioning studio, and they kept trying to do a cooking show in like the later season of that.
3: Well, because they they ran and the his... uh, commissary.
1: Oh yeah, there you go. Right. They ran
3: it. They ran the um, the cafeteria, and they would they would have really really
1: strange foods. And they tried to do a show called What's That Smell?
2: Yeah. <laughs> so, what do you think of this movie as far as how it treats? the Christmas Carol story, because I assume, and I could be wrong, but I probably not, that you've, like I, have seen many, many different versions of this story. Yes. Yeah. So um, how I, do, you, how I, do you feel this does as far as doing that story justice, Muppets aside?
3: I think definitely it, not that it softens but you know some of the some of the versions even even Scrooge gets a little scary for me not not scary scary but I mean it is dark and this like even even the I'm usually kind of like taken aback not taken aback but you know kind of there's that sense of dread when the ghost of the Christmas future mm-hmm. ghost ghost of and, days and to that come. is
2: almost universal in every version yeah that that's the certainly the creepiest scene.
3: Yeah, and he, he is creepy, but he's not frightening like some of the others. And and the fact that Scrooge turns around because of positive reinforcement instead of negative reinforcement, mm-hmm. that to me embodies what the Muppets are all about. He's he's changing because of the great time he has with the Ghost of Christmas present right. and, and and the positive way that he's he's positively reinforced. Whereas all the rest of them don't usually turn till the negative reinforcement of, hey, you won't die. Um.
2: <laughs> yeah, so in, in this one, effectively, it's almost, you've already seen the error of your ways. We're going to give this as kind of just a little extra incentive to let you know right. never to turn back. <laughs> yeah, or down. right. Yeah, it's so um, That is I an, think... an interesting perspective on it. And I think I'd... accurate. I, I,
1: I think it handled the story quite well for a Muppet movie but it um not but uh it I think along with what Christy said with it kind of softening what we've seen in the past I think it actually makes this movie and this Muppet movie and this isn't as extreme as it sounds I think this does make it possibly the darkest Muppet movie of them all but not so dark that it's um, you know a horror movie it's just when you put this up next to muppets from space or the the latest 2 or the muppet movie this one is
3: i don't know the muppet movie is still pretty dark well, with the fact that they want to cut legs
1: off. A, yeah but he's mm. <laughs> if it wasn't so comical yes but it, it's it's a very it's there, there's more i think this has more serious scenes in it than any other one even yes. treasure island was lightened up a lot after this yeah but it's still i'm not saying that's a bad thing i'm just saying it's it seems to be one of the more serious and darker, for the Muppets, Muppet movie.
3: Yeah, but, I, I don't disagree. I and it has it, to
1: do with the subject matter. It's hard yeah, not for it, it to be. Well,
3: the whole thing is, is it's supposed to be a lesson.
2: Yes, exactly, yeah.
3: There's really no reason to soften that lesson. <laughs> yep,
2: yep. And there's not too much harshness going on to the Muppets right. themselves. True. No. That's true. Other yep. than being dropped in an ice barrel, <laughs> yeah. uh, being having the door slammed on you, being left out in the cold. And just, you know, Scrooge being a bad boss. I mean, otherwise there's, there's not too much evil that's going on nah, the that's true. the yep. uh, But I And I, I think it also, I think it does the story very well, personally. I think it kind of covers all the bases. I mean, there's more to the Christmas Carol story than you see in most versions. But you do get mm-hmm. some of it in this, you know, you get some of his childhood. Uh, you know, you, you, you get to see his background. And I think it I think it gains based on like what I was saying earlier that that it's never played. The story is never played for laughs. No. The laughs are are adjacent to the story. They're they're occurring, but they're not. They're never making fun of the story. They're never making fun of the actors. Mm-mm. Right. Or the the performers is probably right. a better way <laughs> to say that. So I, I really just think I I do think you know as you said that they soften it a little, which probably makes it more kid-friendly than most of the movie versions of this story. There oh are yeah. other cartoon versions that are, you know, equally soft. Mm-hmm. But I think as far as movie versions go, this is probably one of the softer ones. I think as as a fairly young kid, I went on a clash trip and we saw uh, Scrooge with Albert Finney
1: mm-hmm.
2: in the movie theater. We, I believe we saw it at Radio City Music Hall, if my memory is correct. Oh, wow. And... Uh, there's scenes in that that, that get, you know, kind of kind of scary for a young kid. And I don't think this one has anything quite like that in it. So like, like you said, even, even by the time we get to the Ghost of Christmas future, he's already had his turn, and that in and of itself tends to soften that scene. Yeah. Yeah. And it keeps it from being the one that's going to have a small child in tears. <laughs> right, <laughs> which I would imagine in different movie versions of this, I'm sure there's oh, yeah. many examples of children bursting out in tears during that scene when when you see the visage of the ghost.
3: I I still contend that Scrooge is is one of the scariest for me. I think he has like the TV face or something like that. I, I kinda, oh I, I don't I, remember. I kind
1: of close my eyes. Yeah, it's been a while. All I remember is that uh. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Buster Poindexter is a cab driver.
3: Oh, yeah.
2: Yes, I remember that. <laughs> it's been a long time since I saw that particular version. I'm probably way over to watch that one again. Yeah. But I'm too busy watching this one a year, every right. year. <laughs> this this is a Christmas perennial for me. The, the movies that I feel I have to see every year at Christmas time are This It's a Wonderful Life, uh, Elf, and uh, Miracle on 34th Street, the original version with Edmund Quinn and Maureen O'Hara. Mm -hmm. Those are my Christmas staples as far as movies go. Then there's the Christmas specials, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, Charlie Brown Christmas, Rudolph. uh, And then there's numerous versions of uh, television, you know, sitcoms and cartoons and that type of thing. I am uh, not ashamed to say I'm I'm a real tool when it comes to Christmas season (laughs) and watching this stuff.
1: I'm the same way. I mean, there's no greater evidence than the amount of work, not so much in the late these later years, because we've kind of run out of material, but our early Star Wars and Character Christmas specials, they are direct inspirations slash homages slash parodies to the specials that we're just talking about
2: right now. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know if you guys have any other points to make on this particular movie before we rate it on the scale, which I think I know where it lands. <laughs> yep.
1: No, not really. I mean, the uh, there's there's a lot to like about this. I love yeah. watching it visually, because uh, I just I, I like watching the up. So I love watching the uh, techniques. Trying to fi- even even the stuff that I hadn't seen in behind the scenes. I like to try to figure out how they're doing it, or better yet, not figuring it out. So it gives me something to to ponder over later. And the music, I just I absolutely love the music. I think I don't know how and when or where Paul Williams and jim henson first met but it's just been like it is the perfect match because the music he has written for the muppets since the very first movie i mean rainbow connection that's still that was just Mm -hmm. played at the hollywood bowl yeah like not even what this past year yeah
3: and he was he came out
1: to it he came out to it so from rainbow connection all the way to well no now it's the guy from flight to the concords but let's say you know the the christmas carol and treasure island era i mean no no better match for for the muppets music then so it's I yeah there's just so much to like about this and it's just a great it's a classic Christmas story too so you put in a lot of things that I really like and put it into a story that I enjoy it's it's difficult not it's difficult to not gush about it it really is yeah
2: and when you talk about the music on this uh if we hadn't made that clear as as far as I'm concerned this is this is standalone fun music
1: yeah if I'm not watching
2: the movie and this comes on the radio or I have this I have a Christmas mix to listen to in the car if I don't want to listen to it on the radio. And these songs are all, you know, they're all, they're all mixed into it, and they always bring a smile to my face. Nice. <laughs> so I guess at this point we'll go to the Jaws scale, and we'll all lean on one side of it and make it, <laughs> make it topple over. But the Jaws scale is you can rank the movie by the Jaws movies, which the Jaws movies do not necessarily correspond to their rankings. Uh, Jaws, you're saying this is an all-time classic movie, very few flaws, if any. ...and worthy of multiple watchings... ...just, you know, an all-time classic... ...Jaws 2, really solid movie... ...no real problems, but just doesn't reach that classic level... ...still worth multiple viewings... ...Jaws 3, enjoyable... ...but kind of once you're done with it, you're done with it... ...and Jaws 4 is a bad movie... Uh, ...I'm going to go to you first again, Christy... Uh, ...Jaws 3 (laughs) is Dennis Quaid... Uh, we, ...we did an episode where we ranked the Jaws movies, actually and Jaws 3 ranked as Jaws 4. Oh, okay. <laughs> so the scale doesn't necessarily reflect the actual movie's well, quality. Well, if you can't watch it in 3D, I mean, there's, that kind of hurts it. I saw that <laughs> 3D in 3D. Did the, you really? <laughs> yes, I did. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure Jaws ranked as Jaws, Jaws 2 ranked as Jaws 3, and Jaws 3 and 4 both ranked as Jaws 4. Oh, wow. Oh. So, but, um, well, but knowing I would... what the scale is, Christy, where would you put this?
3: I this is a Jaws, Jaws
1: (laughs) all the way. (laughs) Not even gonna explain why.
3: Not it's it it is the quintessential Muppets. It's it the further it got from from when Jim Henson passed away, I think it got diluted. Mm -hmm. But this is still pretty pure. It still has the heart. It still has the talent. And it still has the essence. And I think the fact that it is so close to the you know, when he was gone, I I think it still feels like it. So it was kinda like a continuation of that feeling, which you know, doesn't necessarily happen now, but but um and because of that purity and and just fun. It's just fun. So I I do rate it at Jaws.
2: How about you, Matt?
1: Well, as tempted as I am to say Jaws 4 because that either <laughs> takes place or opens during Christmas, doesn't it? Doesn't that movie start Yes, to- yes it just, does, you're I, right. Just to do the Christmas joke, but I can't. I mean, it's a, it's a Jaws as well and it's it's everything that I've been saying this this past recording. It's 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 the Muppets when even when the Muppets are they they're almost Almost split, not split personality, uh, like dual roles in this. That they, they play Kermit as Bob Cratchit, but he's very Kermit. Rizzo is Charles Dickens, but when he's Rizzo, or I mean, uh, Gonzo, Gonzo is Charles Dickens, but when he's not, he's very much Gonzo. I love the new additions. I love, uh, actually, honestly enough, you would think that the ghost of Christmas Days to Come would be the one I'd gravitate towards because of the whole Halloween connection. Uh-huh. He's actually my least favorite. I love... Oh, the second one. The sec- Oh, yeah. Uh, the, and that's the one I, you would think I'd like. I'd like the least, but he's my favorite. I think it's one of Jerry Nelson's best performances. Is the Ghost of Christmas Present, the, between the song and the character, and just the voice he decided to pick for that. I, I, that's that's one of my favorite Jerry Nelson performances, and the songs. It's again. I mean, I, Paul Williams and the Muppets has just always been, I think, a perfect match, and I think this is, I think this is Paul Williams best overall work Rainbow Connection might be its own song that's set above that but when you look at the entire uh, soundtrack from beginning to end I think this is Paul Williams best Muppet movie as far as his musical contributions so all that and more it's
2: definitely a Jaws Okay, so I'm going to make it unanimous (laughs) because I see it as a Jaws as well as I said I mentioned my Christmas perennials this was this is my favorite of those and for this to rank above It's a Wonderful Life is saying a lot because right? I love that movie uh, it does justice to the Christmas Carol story this story has been redone so many times sometimes good sometimes bad this one does it right and it does it for a story that you've seen a hundred times so it could so easily just seem trite and overplayed and yet it doesn't it does justice to the Muppets, and, and as we've talked about on several occasions throughout this, it does it at a time when Jim Henson hadn't passed away that long ago. Mm-hmm. So if it hadn't been done right, it almost would have felt like an insult to his memory. Yeah. Yep. So they had a lot riding on trying to do this right, just just out of personal pride, and they did. Uh, again, Michael Caine's performance, I think, is is tremendous in this. And then, as Matt, as you went on with the music, is just so catchy and so enjoyable that there are better songs and there are not quite as good songs, but there isn't a clinker, a clunker in the bunch. Mm-mm. They're they're all enjoyable. The music all hits and plays well throughout the movie. Uh, it's 86 minutes. It flies by.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yep.
2: You know, it's it's not like oh, it's you know, it's three hours or whatever. It's it's 86 minutes, and it feels like half an hour, frankly. Uh, it's it's just great, and then there's, which we didn't really talk about. There's a lot of little things you mentioned, like the rats. Uh, one just one of my favorite moments in the movie is when Kermit asks for them, asks Scrooge to put on the heat, at at the uh, at the, beck of the uh, you know the the rats are, are pushing him to do it, and as soon as Mister Scrooge kind of kind of blasts them, you hear in the background, yeah, it was the frog's idea.
1: I love, yeah, I do, yeah, and that is the that is the, the that's. Always been the rats. uh, I love
3: I love it when they put the little hula outfits.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yes.
3: We're having a (laughs) heatwave.
2: So there's just so many things in this that just make it enjoyable. I think it's a as good of a family movie as you're gonna find. Little kids will enjoy it. You know, adults will enjoy it. Uh, (laughs) I I don't see any level that this movie fails on, frankly. So, and that's why it's yours.
1: You're talking your favorite things. My favorite thing is actually one word. And I don't know why it makes me laugh every time I see it, but it's like when when Scrooge takes off into the air with the ghost of Christmas Past, and Gonzo's swinging that hook on a rope, and Rizzo goes, "What are you doing?" He just goes, "Nothing." That's
2: it. Just <laughs> 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 nothing. So if you haven't seen this, uh, all three of us are recommending it to Absolutely, you. Absolutely, yep. So I want to just uh, thank you guys for coming on with me tonight and doing oh, this. Thank you for having it us. Very much. And one of the two you take a minute to just talk about the stuff you're on Oh jeez <laughs> Go ahead Christy you. So Ladies well,
3: first. I, uh Definitely if you're a big fan of 80s movies Or just classic Kick butt movies <laughs> um, uh, We have the Greaties The Great 80s Movie Debate Where we take the movies of our Teen and childhood And see if they hold up today um, And then we also have a Best of five podcast that comes on Every other week where we discuss a subject based on something from the movie before. Um, so we, we have content every week.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm all over the place. I Everything Christy and I do is on com. I guess my regular shows are Star Wars in character, which is just takes a look at the different background oddball elements of Star Wars and reads a ridiculous amount of Legends history that was Put behind them, and then uh, from there, oh gosh, I don't know we cover all kinds of stuff uh, space launches, um, Halloween stuff. Halloween has passed now a month, but when that comes around in the fall, we do a lot for that. Uh, I'm sure you know, I hate trying to list everything we do, so because I inevitably miss something, so I'll just say if you're interested, newsaz.com. Dave actually says it best if you have an interest in something in pop culture, chances are we've done something on it, so that's where you can find everything that we have done.
2: There you go. I'm a subscriber. There you go. And, uh, well, thanks again, guys, and everybody listening. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks.
0: May I welcome you to Christmas morning. No! It's in the singing of a street corner choir. It's going home and getting warm by the fire. It's true, wherever you find love, it feels like Christmas. A cup of kindness that we share with another. A sweet reunion with a friend or a brother. In all the places you find love, it feels like Christmas. It is. The season of the heart A special time of caring The ways of love made clear And it is The season of the spirit The message if we hear it Is make it last all year It's in the giving of a gift to another Mittens that were made by your mother It's all the ways that we show love That feel like Christmas A part of childhood will always remember It is the summer of the soul in December Yes, when you do your best for love It feels like Christmas It is the season of the heart A special time of caring The ways of love made clear It is the season of the spirit. The message, if we hear it, is make it last all year. Singing of a street corner choir It's going home and getting warm by the fire It's true wherever you find love It feels like Christmas It's true wherever you find love It feels like Christmas It feels like Christmas (laughs)